I'm Megan Skidmore, and welcome to the Beyond the Shadow of Doubt. I'm a woman, daughter, sister, spouse, mother, life coach, and person of faith on a mission to normalize asking questions and allowing doubts on a faith journey and all aspects of life. Join me as I bring this traditionally taboo topic out of the shadows of shame and into the light. I firmly believe we normalize through more talking and engaging in discussion. More talking peels back, exposes, and erases the layers of shame associated with asking questions and allowing doubts. When we are more authentic about our journey, we are more powerful because shame has no power in the face of authenticity. Beyond the Shadow of Doubt is a proud member of the Dialogue Podcast Network, which is part of the Dialogue Journal found at dialoguejournal.com forward slash podcast. Founder Eugene England was a Mormon writer, teacher, and scholar who wrote, My faith encourages my curiosity and awe. It thrusts me out into relationship with all creation and encourages me to enter into dialogue. My hope is that this podcast is an extension of that vision. First Friday's free coaching, the confidential group to bring all the questions, vent frustrations, share fears, express doubts. Navigating a new and uncertain reality is hard enough. Let's remove the worry of judgment from others. In this group, I will help you help yourself so that you can be there for your child, family, loved ones, and for you too. Click the link in the show notes to sign up. You must complete the agreement. Today's episode of the Beyond the Shadow of Doubt podcast is a recording of a devotional I was asked to give for the Emmaus LGBTQ ministry on January 21st. It is an extension of the episode I did on coexisting faith that was published December 15th of 2023 and is episode number 95. After listening, please shoot me an email. I would love to know your thoughts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Emmaus devotional for January 2024 with Megan Skidmore. We are going to start out with an opening prayer and an opening song. The opening prayer will be by Erica Munson, and then the opening song was written by Bree Toon. Go ahead, Erica. Our dear Heavenly Parents, we're so grateful to be together as brothers and sisters and siblings in the gospel in this Emmaus devotional tonight. We love Jesus Christ and we're so grateful for all that he taught. And as we strive to be more like him, we ask thee that thy spirit will be with us, that thy spirit tonight will be with Megan, who we're so grateful that she's here and with all of us to feel of the spirit, to better understand how to love and how to minister and all that we have to learn from the LGBTQ experience. We ask you to bless our families, bless all of us, bless those who are not with us tonight, bless our leaders, bless our leaders to ask important questions about belonging in the church. And we're so grateful again to be here. And we say this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Erica. Now we will go ahead with the opening musical number. Mm -hmm. 
Sometimes I look up at the sky At the stars that peek between the clouds The stars that make me cry And some nights when I am lonely And I'm hurting deep inside I can feel the comfort of that healing midnight sky And I stay for a little while with the faith of a little child He sees me through the struggle And he takes away the pain He shows up when nobody else can find the words to say And he knows when I'm in trouble He navigates the way To get back to where he knows that I belong and where I'll stay and he knows what I don't know and he sees what I can't see he knows and he turns I've traveled down this road alone there are things I've had to learn but I know I'm not forgotten and I know I'm not lost and I won't take for granted what his love and life have cost so I'll stay for a little while with the faith of a little child and he sees me through the struggle and he takes away the pain he shows up when nobody else can find the words to say and he knows when I'm in trouble and he navigates the way to get back to where he that I belong and where I'll stay so he knows what I don't know and he sees what I can't see he knows and he
what I don't know And he sees what I can't see He knows and he sees me Thank you, Bree, for sharing that beautiful song with us. I just, as I was watching that, like the Savior is why all of us on the board of Emmaus do what we do. Um, he is our rock and he is our guide. And I just, I feel him so powerfully in that song. He sees each one of us and I feel that. Okay, um, we're just going to introduce a little bit about how Emmaus works. We have two operating principles, and I'll go ahead and read them. Principle number one, it is crucial for the well-being of LGBTQ individuals to be able to live in a space where their faith, spirituality, and religion can coexist with their identity as LGBTQ. Forcing a choice between one or the other creates trauma and unhealthy emotional, relational, and spiritual patterns. And then principle number two, there is value in encouraging spiritual practice and connection and inclusion in a spiritual community, even when individuals are not perfectly conforming with church norms. So we try to remember those two principles as we operate. Um, we just value all people's paths and um, everyone's personal revelation we honor. We, I am really excited to have Megan Skidmore with us today. She's going to introduce herself and tell her a little bit about what she does, but I know she's a life coach and it's just been really great to hear her story and what has uh, inspired her to do what she does. She has a podcast called Beyond the Shadow of Doubt, which is just a really wonderful podcast. The ideas that she brings up and the way that she asks questions is just really wonderful. So thank you for coming, Megan, and I will turn the time over to you. Thank you so much. I'm out choked up a little bit here. I see some familiar faces and dear friends and family. And so thank you um, for joining tonight. And thanks a lot. Now I'm, no, I'm more nervous. <laughs> Okay, not really, but a little bit. As Sitska, did I say that right? Sitska? It's Sitska. Sitska. Like you with the E. Oh, okay, so long, long e. e. I can remember that. Sitska. I love it. As Sitska shared, I um I am a life coach and I do have a podcast. Um I am a parent of a kiddo who identifies as LGBTQ. We have shared our story um in other places, both lift and love. Um, dot org. You can find our story in a write-up uh, that was published September of 2023. I was also interviewed by Richard Papa Osler, and that was episode 719, and that was uh, published in November, November 21st, actually, of 2023. So that tells a lot more of the depth of our story, and I usually get emotional when I share that, so I will direct you to those um, 
places as well as my podcast. Um, I've had it since August of 2022. And I do share a lot of my journey and insights <clears throat> that I've, I've received. I talk about coaching principles and I have interviewed some amazing folks who uh, find themselves at the intersection of LGBTQ plus, whether that's they identify as LGBTQ plus, they are a parent of a kiddo who does, or they are an ally and conservative faith. I do interview those of various faith backgrounds, not just LDS, which is my faith background. And <clears throat> I have learned so much from, from doing that. So I would love for you to, to go and check that out and listen. I um, really love this topic. It stems from a podcast episode I did in December called Coexisting Faith. And let me try to share with you what I mean by that. And to start that off with, I share a quote with you by Father Richard Rohr, um, who founded the Center for Action and Contemplation in Albuquerque, New Mexico. He's also an author, and he's the books that he's written, he's written are so amazing. Um, this is taken from the universal Christ. And he wrote the expression, the light of the world is used to describe the Christ. And that's taken from John 8, 12. Jesus also applies the same phrase to us. You are the light of the world. And that's found in Matthew 5, 14. And then Father Roar goes on to explain, light is less something you see directly and more something by which you see all other things. In Jesus Christ, God's own broad, deep, and all-inclusive worldview is made available to us. I love this insight, the broad, deep, all-inclusive worldview. Imagine what a different, what would be different if our collective focus was on this broad, deep, all-inclusive worldview described by Father Rohr. Um, Valerie, I forgot to ask you to start the um, the the presentation. <laughs> Sorry, I'm so focused. So I got a small taste of this recently, this broad, deep, all-inclusive worldview. Go ahead to the next slide, Valerie. Thank you. When our family for the first time visited Tokyo and Kyoto, Japan for the first time, I already said that. We had a wonderful time. I, one thing I love about travel is how horizon broadening it is. Um, I always learn how much I really don't know and how many people and ways of living and ways of being there really are that we just don't know about. We visited, I don't know if I'm going to say this correctly, the Kink Kinkakuji Temple in Kyoto. That's this temple right here, this picture. It's sometimes called the Golden Pavilion. It is a Zen temple whose top two floors are completely covered in gold leaf. And while there, our tour guide, Mutsumi, I always get that wrong. I think I got that right. She explained the five precepts or commandments is another word for precepts in Buddhism. You can go to the next slide. Um, the first one is don't kill any life. Don't steal anything. Don't make love at random. Don't tell a lie and don't drink sake too much. Um, imagine this in your sweetest, most dearest, thick Japanese accent. She, Mutsumi was awesome. 
Now, I'm not sharing these because I think they're right or all that is needed. I'm sharing this because I was struck by how similar they are to, quote, commandments of other conservative faiths, such as the Judeo-Christian Ten Commandments that we know of in the Old Testament. Or in Islam, you have the five pillars and the five ethics. Or even, you can go to the next slide, the Ten Native American Commandments. Treat the earth and all that dwell therein with respect. Remain close to the great spirit. Show great respect to your fellow beings. Work together for the benefit of all mankind. Give assistance and kindness wherever needed. Do what you know to be right. Look after the well-being of mind and body. Dedicate a share of your efforts to the greater good. Be truthful and honest at all times. Take full responsibility for your actions. Of course, they're not all exactly alike, but there are many similarities and I found the simplicity and beauty of these five precepts of Buddhism to be, to be uncomplicated, straightforward, common sense, really. And how often do we make things more complicated than necessary when we lose sight of what our focus was to begin with? Um, later that same day, we toured the, go ahead to the next slide, the Fushimi Inari Shine, Shrine, sorry, shrines dedicated to Inari are always identifiable by the entrance being marked by one or more of these vermilion Tory gates. It's the big red and black table looking structure that you see behind uh, my family and I. That's a picture of us there with Mutsumi. The Fushimi Inari is known for its large abundance of these gates throughout, taking about two to three hours to walk its entirety. If you were to go through these gates right here, and a little bit further back, it's like these tunnels and you can wind through them and they go up the side of the mountain. And well, let's just say we didn't do the whole entire thing. We toured a lot of it um, and saw a lot of it. And actually on this trip, we toured a lot of both shrines from Shintoism and temples from Buddhism, uh, not just in Kyoto, but in Tokyo as well. So the next question I asked our guide, I learned something that I don't think I ever really fully understood about their religion. I asked Mutsumi how it was that the people of Japan went to both shrines and temples, or in other words, they practice both Buddhism and Shintoism. And she shared with us, they coexist. Shintoism is a native religion in Japan. Thanks to Shinto's generous attitude to other religions, people were not uncomfortable about the coexistence of Shintoism and Buddhism. That's why Japanese don't feel it strange to follow traditions of both. Imagine what would be different in your life or our lives with a focus on coexistence. Um, you can go to the next slide. Black and white or binary thinking looks for the either or. Coexistence in any capacity with this type of thinking is going to be a challenge, if not near impossible. It's going to be impossible to see the beauty of both and. Go to the next slide. Elder Neil A. Maxwell has said, the gospel of Jesus Christ clearly says to us, as far as the word, world of truth and fact is concerned, there is nothing out there to be afraid of. The Latter-day Saint leans into learning with Augusto, or should. And I'm going to take license and say, not just Latter-day Saints, but anyone of a of a faith background could, could benefit from leaning into this learning and, and shedding any fear. 
continuing with um, Father Richard Rohr, he said, uh, again, in the universal Christ, the binary mind, so good for rational thinking, finds itself, go to the next slide, sorry, finds itself totally out of its league in dealing with things like love, death, suffering, infinity, God, sexuality, or mystery in general. It just keeps limiting reality to two alternatives and thinks it is smart because it chooses one. I invite you to ask yourself, how might you be shortchanging yourself by holding tightly to binary or black and white thinking? Where is black and white thinking hurting your relationships? Where would it benefit you to introduce the idea of both and? Let me give an example of that. Um, what struck me about what Mutsumi shared about the coexistence of Buddhism and Shintoism in Japan was for the Japanese, they find much peace and beauty in practicing both Shintoism and Buddhism. And Mutsumi shared how. She said on auspicious occasions, such as wedding ceremonies, the baby birth, or when children become three, five, and seven years old, we go to shrines to obtain Shinto God's blessings. But on unauspicious occasions like funerals or memorial services for the deceased, we go to Buddhist temples. I thought that was just so neat. Um, just the whole concept, the whole principle of both and. And another passage from the Universal Christ, um, Father Richard War actually compares Christianity to Buddhism. He says, I am convinced that in many ways, Buddhism and Christianity shadow each other. They reveal each other's blind spots. In general, Western Christians have not done contemplation very well, and Buddhism has not done action very well. Uh, you can go to the next slide. Although in recent decades, we are seeing the emergence of what is called engaged Buddhism, which we have learned from teachers like Thich Nhat Hanh and the Dalai Lama, you can go to the next slide. There is a reason that most art shows Jesus with his eyes open and Buddha with his eyes closed. In the West, we have largely been an extroverted religion with all the superficiality that represents. And the East has largely produced introverted forms, introverted forms of religion with little social engagement up to now. Father Rohr continues, taking the risk of overgeneralization, I will say that we did not understand the human mind or heart very well. And they did not understand service or justice work very well. Thus, we produced rigid capitalism, and they often fell into ideological communism. Both religions tried to breathe with one lung, and that is not good breathing. Or better said, you, just, you can't just inhale, and you can't just exhale. I feel Father Rohr's words very much. The compare and contrast that he did of the two religions is pretty spot on. I have found coexistence cultivates a learning ground which encourages and invites teaching and, and it breeds immeasurable growth. I believe it's a type of expansion that cannot happen in any other way. Go to the next slide, please. I have learned through experience what a blessing it is to be open, not judgmental, and interested in the beliefs Others hold dear to their hearts. It has taught me that God or the divine speaks to us in our native tongue. 
And by native, I mean, not just linguistically, but also culturally, such as practices that have provided opportunities for our faith building experiences. And spiritually, such as they, meaning God, or the divine, use faith words that we are familiar with or used to. And emotionally, we all emote differently. What is simply informative to one may bring tears to another. God knows how we experience feelings and that culture, family, and upbringing are influencing factors. For example, in some cultures, it's frowned upon to show emotions. Um, and in others, it tends to define them. Um, you can do the at the next slide. Take, for example, these words, Allah, God, divine, Buddha, great spirit, higher power, all are considered to be beings that are greater than us, larger than life, parental figures. You can hit the next slide. These next words, intuition, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, inner wisdom, inner knowing, still small voice, they're all considered to be a description of the light inside, our conscience, teachers, our earthly guides. They're different words from different cultures and different backgrounds, but each is trying to express a mortal phenomenon experienced across the world, not limited by time or space. How can one be more right or more wrong than another? You can go to the next slide. In the words of J. Reuben Clark, if we have truth, it cannot be harmed by investigation. If we have not truth, it ought to be harmed. You can go to the next slide. So the next time that you are presented with a belief, you can go to the next slide, that challenges your view before dismissing it, be willing to ask, what is the reason for your discomfort? Is it the actual belief itself or the fact that it is different from yours? How is the difference a problem? And in what way does this belief bless your friends or acquaintances, family members, life, or whoever introduced it to you? How, how does it bless their life? Ask what might you be missing out on from other faiths without maintaining an expansive view or curiosity or willingness to learn? How could this alternative view or belief actually complement or mirror yours? And one big question to ask yourself, what do you desire in life? And does this belief held by your friend or loved one actually hinder you personally from moving in the direction of your goals, wants, and desires? You can go to the next slide, Valerie. As a means of coming to truth, people in the church are encouraged by their leaders to think and find out for themselves. They are encouraged to ponder, to search, to evaluate, and thereby to come to such knowledge of the truth as their own consciences, assisted by the Spirit of God, lead them to discover. Many years of experience in courtrooms have taught me that in the sense of obtaining justice is arrived at only by questioning in a searching way. Members of the church are encouraged to seek learning from all good books, and from any helpful source. May I leave you with an invitation, and that invitation is, may we open wide our arms 
our hearts, our eyes, our ears, our minds to the myriad experiences and expansive beliefs of our fellow family of God that are as sacred to them as yours are to you. No matter your faith background, I invite you to look for ways to go coexist with friends, neighbors, and loved ones, and even adapt the broad, deep, all-inclusive worldview described by Father Richard Rohr. I leave these thoughts and feelings and insights with you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Thank you, Megan. Welcome. So much. Um, we like to open it up for questions and answers. So if there's anyone that's listening that has any questions for Megan or even just comments, um, ideas that came to you while you're listening, I feel like that's how the spirit teaches us. So if anyone received any personal insights while they were listening to Megan, I would love it if you shared them. Let me change my view so I can see if anyone raises their hand. You can just use the little hand raise button and I'll call on you. I was thinking um, during that last part while you were sharing about like differences and differences, um, they don't have to be threatening. And I was kind of thinking back about my own journey with that. And I think for a long time, I hadn't really internalized my beliefs. It was like, this is what the church believes and this is what I should believe. And so then it was kind of like being part of the group is what made those beliefs solid for me. So when I heard different ideas, it, it was like someone outside of me was fighting against someone, something else outside of me. And it was really threatening for me because there was nothing that I was personally invested in or attached to. And the more that I was able to just connect what my beliefs and values were and um, like have my own value system a little bit separate than what the church defines it as. Um, now, when I hear differences of belief and differences of opinion, I don't feel so personally threatened. It's more just like, oh, I can still believe what I believe and they can believe what they believe and we can both have a positive, helpful experience with those opposite things. So I think for me, part of it was just being able to find and internalize my own personal values separate from like the institution that gave them to me. Yeah, I agree. And I think we're supposed to do that. That's what we're encouraged to do. That's what makes it personal. That's where the growth, the personal growth comes for each of us, right? Um, it doesn't take as much effort or um, work to just, just say, okay, yeah, that's to just go along, like, you know, believe something. <sighs> Yeah, you can you can be curious about the other person rather than defensive of your own position. Yes. Yeah. And we and can I, all, I was just gonna say we can all learn from each other that way. Yeah. What were you gonna say? The more I've been on this path, this journey, I've I've learned that I think sometimes we're just using different words explaining very, very similar human experience. And if we get if we get caught up in the um, 
I don't know, that tangle of what you're saying, like their, their belief sounds different. It seems different. Mine's this, if we get caught in that, you know, that's, that's the either, or that's the black and white. That's the us versus them type of mentality. Um, I think when we look for where we actually do have many commonalities, that's where we see how much I think we're more alike than we are different. That's what my experience has been anyway. Yeah, go ahead, Erica. Um, thank you so much, Megan. I'm wondering if you have an example of, let's say, a, an LDS principle or an LDS practice that for you has been enriched by um, an understanding from another faith? That's a good question. Um, I'm kind of putting you on the spot, so don't feel like, because yeah. I, I, I feel very, um, I mean, what you said about your, what happened when you yeah. went to the temple, the temple in Japan says a lot, um, but I'm just always interested in people's you yeah. know, experiences. I think um, the one that comes to mind is, is kind of partially what I've already shared, but just, just this overwhelming um, feeling, knowledge, uh, um, impression that all humans are seeking to connect with the divine. All are trying to figure out this, um, this presence, this existence that is so much bigger than really what we can understand or comprehend. That seems to be quite um, common across the board. And, you know, there are those who would describe themselves maybe as agnostic, and that's okay, too, because in a way, that's still a, a faith journey, right? They are, it, it's them navigating what they're comfortable with, what they feel like they can say, yeah, that resonates with me, I, that I believe that, that I feel that, or no, it doesn't right now, or Maybe it did in the past. It doesn't right now. I think it's leaving um, the windows of curiosity, that invitation of learning, of talk to, and listening to, to others' experience and just being open to that. I, I think, I don't know. I can't, I can't think of a, a more interesting and enlightening and more fun way to approach life. I love learning from other cultures and people. And I'll tell you what, when we went to this top of the sky tree in Tokyo, <laughs> imagine, I don't know, six or seven Manhattans. If you've ever been to Manhattan Island and maybe you've been up to um, the, the Chrysler building or the Empire State building or whatever, and you've just you just see the sea of buildings and it's just imagine six or seven of those lined up right next to each other. And, and then there's no end to it looking out to the horizon. That's Tokyo. When I saw that, I just, we can't imagine how many people there are on this earth that currently live, that have lived, that are yet to be born. And I don't know that, that thought that is humbling for me. That that tells me, that teaches me, um, there is a lot I don't know. There is a lot I don't understand. And there's a lot that all humans, even 
our leaders, even our, our parents and their parents and so on didn't know or fully understand. And um, yeah, that was, that was one of those memories. I kind of took a picture in my, in my mind and my heart. And I will always remember that That's the world is just huge. Yeah. I just put in the chat, um, a, a scene that I experienced at the tabernacle one day on a Sunday morning at music and the spoken word. And I was sitting behind these gentlemen who were Buddhist monks from Thailand who were visiting and were announced as, as welcomed guests. And I just, I just love that picture. Yeah, that is very cool. Yeah. That's, that's such a great example of just coexistence, respect, mutual respect. Um, it looks like in the chat, Brittany, Brittany's my sister. Hi, sis. I like how you encouraged us to not only understand why others might be helped by their beliefs, but also to really interrogate ourselves. It doesn't hurt our beliefs to allow that difference and even celebrate it. It doesn't. Spot on. Yeah. That kind of leads me into a follow-up question I had for you, Megan. I was wondering the both and concept. Mm -hmm. I was wondering how that, if or how that applies to your able, your ability to hold the LGBTQ issues that we have in the church currently. Does that question make sense? Um, like how how does that both and concept help you to hold both? celebrating LGBTQ people, but also honoring a church who maybe doesn't celebrate LGBTQ yeah. people? Yeah, that's a really good question. And that's a really good um, way to apply that concept of either or versus both. And um, I guess off the top of my head, um, yeah, there's lots of application for, for both. And um, like, I can embrace a lot of, of what I have learned, what I've experienced of God and of faith up to this point in my life. I don't have to throw that out. And I can be hopeful and inquisitive and open-minded and curious about what's next. That's to me what the word and implies. Yes, I have this, I've experienced this. I, um, I know this because I feel it deeply. And what else? What else is there? What else do we not know? You know, I can take the counsel that I've been given or experiences that I've had, and I'll, I'll use leaders specifically. And, and some of it has been really good. I can take that and also know that they are not infallible and that there have been things that um, as a membership body, we understood to be policy or, or doctrine. I sometimes think so those words get used interchangeably. Um, but they are no longer because of, well, for a lot of things, for a lot of reasons, it depends on, you know, whatever topic or issue you bring up. 
it's, it's this kind of this approach to living. I think, um, I can, I can be both, um, frustrated and sad and hurt about certain things that are, that exist currently, um, and be brave and share my truth and, um, move forward in, in that type of, um, in that type of way, um, I feel very strongly to be an advocate and be open and verbal about my experience. The best way I can say it is I feel called to do it. I'm an introvert by nature. It's not something I would purposely choose. <laughs> um, but anyway, and I know I'm not alone in that. I know there are others that feel that way. Does that kind of help? Does that give you an idea of what I mean by both and yeah I think that's a great example and I appreciate your answer as you were talking I was just kind of thinking about my experience with it and I think for me it's like holding space that you know there is a belief in the church that you can't um, live the gay lifestyle and be truly happy and that belief serves some people I'm sure and then there's my experience that when I ended up in a same-sex relationship and I it's weird for me to say still because I grew up with the beliefs that I did but I have never been more at peace and close to God as I am now and I'm in a same-sex relationship so it's just kind of I guess both those ideas can exist and some people can believe the one and my experience can be different and those both exist. Yeah. Does anyone else have any other thoughts or insights that they want to share? Okay, in the in the chat box, I really appreciate bringing attention to the lack of introspection in Christianity. Yeah, I thought that was a really interesting slide when you had the Buddha with the eyes closed mm -hmm. and the and Jesus with the eyes open because yeah. that really displays like the big difference. And I, I have thought about as I studied Buddhism and um, learned more how to connect with my inner self, I thought about like, well, how easy would that be to just go live on a mountain in a monastery and like not talk to anyone and be at peace all the time right wouldn't be easy I don't think <laughs> well I mean yeah but but I think like my learning is confronting you know those conversations that are difficult not just avoiding them so I think there is like a balance you have to yeah. find your inner peace but then also be able to like tolerate differences right not just avoid. Yes. I guess, sorry, I guess what I meant was, is um, we're so used to getting entertained all the time in so many ways, input all over, like to actually oh, sit for still, us to yes, to actually sit still. If you haven't tried to meditate, I highly encourage you to do so, which meditation I've learned is just another word for prayer. It's another way of praying. I mean, to sit there and really be with yourself, that takes practice. We're just not used to that. I don't think, I think that was a nod to what father Roar was saying is yeah. Eyes closed, eyes open. Yeah. We're really good at being busy serving. Yeah. yeah. But That's to true. actually connect with ourselves and be, 
and, and love ourselves and, and know ourselves from the inside out, that's, I think, something we could, we could learn to do a little better. I know I can. I'm trying to. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Erin, for bringing that to our discussion. Yeah. Okay, Sawyer has a comment or a question. Yeah. Oh, hold on, though. I have to get my kids to stop screaming. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been doing that all night. Quiet for a second. I think I, oh, I thought I had muted myself. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, Sawyer. <laughs> okay. Um, it just reminded me of some of my experiences learning Spanish because when I was when I was taking my Spanish courses, my professors said multiple times that in the United States, a lot of people don't even bother learning another language because they're like, oh, well, English is superior. And everywhere that I'd ever want to go, they speak English anyway. Like it's the number one language of the world. Why would I learn another one? <laughs> right. But learning Spanish opened my worldview dramatically, <laughs> you know, and I got to meet so many more people. And learn about lots of different cultures. And um, when I was taking Spanish courses, I was in a lot of classes with return missionaries. And I guess what I noticed when we studied abroad was like, before we went, my professor said to us, now, I know a lot of you guys are Mormons, but please, please, please do not use this as a missionary moment. Use this as a moment to learn, <laughs> you know, from all of the people and their religions. And he talked about how diversity is so important. And I feel like that message is lost a lot in, in the area that I live in. <laughs> anyway, just like growing up with the idea of like, well, I have the whole truth. The gospel has the whole truth. No one else has anything to offer me. Like, yeah, they might have like a part of the truth, but mm -hmm. like I have all of it. So why would I even bother learning from other people? You know, and so I, I love the humbleness of the idea of like someone being able to say, my religion is introspecting, has their eyes closed, and Christianity has their eyes like open and are out serving. Like, I love the humility of that. And I wish, I, I what am I trying to say? I feel like the more open minded that we are, and the more we realize that we have a lot to learn from other people the closer we will become to how we're supposed to be spiritually, you know, because um, I've, I've heard a lot. Well, I haven't heard a lot, but I love the parable of the leavened bread where like the entire human family is part of the leaven of the bread. And if it's not all rising together, then the bread just kind of deflates. Right. And so I feel like we really need, diversity in religion and in life and in all aspects of life to be the best that we can be individually and as a whole and yeah. that's that's what I took away from it so yeah I agree that's really beautiful it's a great analogy thank you for that comment that was really um pertinent well we're getting close we have a few more minutes left um I love hearing everyone's thoughts. So if anyone else has some last minute thoughts to share or another question to ask me again. Or even type in the chat is fine too. Oh, it looks like Jeannie has a question. All right, go ahead, Jeannie. 
Hi. Okay. So, um, I, I loved learning from you tonight, Megan. Thank you. Um, Thanks for joining. I, um, I'm going back to what you, the quote from Hugh B. Brown about that we should question and anything that isn't um, question proof. What was it again? I don't have it in front of me, but it was um, going. Well, I did, I did Elder Maxwell and it was the one that was like, if it's true, it can withstand being questioned. And if it's not that, true, it deserves okay. to be questioned. That would be J. Reuben Clark. Was that what it, is that who that I was? So he said, if we have truth, it cannot be harmed by investigation. If we have not truth, it ought to be harmed. That one? Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. No, no, it's fine. Uh, wrong guy. So, <laughs> um, so I go back to that and, and I, um, am at a point in, in my, um, faith expansion where questions are just everywhere, just simply, simply everywhere. And there are some, some catches in the church that are, are being exposed, but trying to be hidden. Do you know what I mean? Like the brethren don't want them to be exposed. These, these things that are this yucky, yucky truths. Mm -hmm. So where I am finding confusion is that they are in the um, most recent talks telling us to not question, to stop it, to trust us. We're going to tell you what the right things are. Stop it. Stop stop questioning stop doing that so and it and it leaves one really 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 confused um because as faith expands you you have to go within you can only listen and hang on someone else's testimony for so long you can only listen to your parents for so long before you grow up and need to know what you really feel feel within. So yes. So I I know that there there isn't an answer here, right? I just wanted to um, say that I appreciated that 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 was included. I think oh. that it's 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 worth questioning, and sometimes the the doctrines and and the uh, policies of the church are they're coming up short and it's rough mm -hmm. and, um i just wonder if it will ever be a safe place i just wonder if it will ever be the beautiful thing that it could possibly be that it, if it will ever be full of radical love instead of the the walls of of stay in your lane yeah thank so, you Jeannie yeah Megan did you want to respond to that that is a totally fair and honest and lovely question Jeannie and my initial thoughts were the same as what what you were offering and that is I think that is where that connection to our inner wisdom our own personal connection to the divine nobody can come between that I think that's where 
that comes into play. Um, you know, it is confusing when things have been said in one way over time and then now said differently. The the example that came to my mind as you were talking, and I and I thought about this a lot in the beginning of this journey for me. I can only imagine what it was like to be a member of the LDS faith in the 70s, leading up to the 1978 uh, reversal or decision um, revelation that President Kimball shared regarding the extension of the priesthood to the those of the Church of African American descent. You know, there had to have been a lot of this push and pull among the membership body leading up to that. And I do not think that it went away just because an announcement was made over the pulpit that night with President Kimball making that declaration, right? I I think that it was a pull, push and pull um, leading up to it. And, and it still is probably for some. And folks left the church before the decision and folks left the church even after for, you know, different reasons. I think that's why it's so important to listen to your, your inner wisdom, to have that connection, to be able to slow down and close your eyes and listen to yourself. Um, I think that's why I like, you, you talked about um, this radical love. I think that's why I like this topic of coexisting faith so much because we need everybody. I, I served a mission and there was just something in me that, you know, I still feel like I have that view, that outlook. That's, I think, why I have felt strongly from the beginning of creating my podcast. It's not just for those of the LDS faith. LDS faith. I feel very strongly about being inclusive and talking to people of all faith backgrounds because we are all experiencing things so similar. And the more people I talk to, the more I see how similar it is. And we need them, right? We're not going to have this, this radical, all-inclusive, Christ-like love. And, and make no mistake, Christ was a radical. We're not going to have that without all, all of God's family. That's the way that I feel that I see it anyway. See, it's good. You. You have Thank you, Megan. Well, I just, I, we have another hand and I want to get to that, but I wanted to just read Erica's comment in the chat. Okay. Um, I think the push and pull between obedience and personal agency is another example of juxtaposition that has existed within the church from the start. It is challenging. I've thought about like, if I had to create an institution, like how would you do it? Because you you do want to teach obedience, you know, to the principles of the gospel, but also you want to fuel personal agency. And I see the brethren trying to do that, but then we get these contradictory comments. Like, you know, you can find a quote that supports either, you know, side of that, like the quotes that you shared ask questions, ask questions, you know, and then there's other ones, you know, don't ask. So I just, it, yeah, I, I, it's just one of those things you kind of have to hold there. It's just a tough thing. All right. I want to get to the question uh, or comment. It just says iPhone on here, but go ahead with your comment. We can't hear you. That's my sister, Bethany. Oh. Hi, Beth. We can't hear you. Okay, okay, now can you hear me? Yes, yeah. you're good. Okay, a couple of thoughts that I have. Number one, I really like that quote that you put on there about how the the one sister also mentioned it, how truth 
if it's truth, it cannot be harmed by investigation. And if it's not truth, it ought to be harmed. I think that creates a safer space for people to learn about things that are uncomfortable. And the other thought that I had was, and, and I've, I've had this thought for a, a little while too. If you think about the Doctrine and Covenants, every single one of those re revelations came because a question was asked. And we don't have any re re revelations that God just magically bestowed upon us. We have to ask the questions. And so unfortunately, it would appear that the church won't become a safe space for um, different lines of thinking until the general leadership asks the question. Yeah, I agree. That's, I completely agree. And I think that's why it's so important that we have these discussions and we talk in a respectful, open, vulnerable, asking questions type of way. I think you're spot on, Bethany. Um, Carson also wrote something in the chat. Carson said, challenging binary thinking helps us to better understand ourselves and connect with people around us. We can become more open to the differences that we see and embrace what makes each of us uniquely children of God. I agree. I think it helps us learn more about who God actually is as well as we do that. Yeah, I like that each of us carries different attributes of God. And as we're open mm -hmm. to the sure. best parts of one another, we get to know God even better. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for everyone that's participated and been here. Even those of you just listening, I feel your spirit contribute to the discussion. And I'm really grateful for Megan and her time. I know she does a lot and is very busy. And I appreciate her being here with us. It's my pleasure. Thank you. We'll post the recording on our Facebook page and our YouTube channel if anyone wants to, you know, repeat any of the things that Megan shared. I'm going to ask for a closing prayer. I didn't find someone before. So is there anyone that would feel comfortable volunteering to offer the closing prayer for us tonight? I can volunteer, Sitska. Thank you, Deb. Our Father in heaven, we're grateful to have gathered here together this evening in support of each other and our continuing journeys of faith. We're grateful for the Emmaus ministry and for the blessing of this um, arena in which to have these kinds of conversations. And for those who've so thoughtfully created this space, we pray that that will bless all of us as we go forward from this event tonight to continue to have our minds open to truth and to seek thee as we evaluate the things that we learn so that we can find uh, truth in whatever source it may appear. We're grateful for the gospel, blessings of knowing about the Savior Jesus Christ, and for truth that is all around us. And we say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for coming tonight, and I hope you have a wonderful week, and we'll see you at our next devotional next month. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much. Hopeful Spaces is a Dallas Hope Charities component of Hopeful Discussions, sponsored by Mercedes-Benz Financial Services USA. It's a free monthly parent, ally, or caregiver support group facilitated by Megan Skidmore Coaching. Email chc at dallashopecharities.org for more info. Visit MeganSkidmoreCoaching.com to find this podcast and additional free resources, including the link for a complimentary coaching session. Follow me on Facebook or Instagram for more or to send me a DM. Help the podcast grow. Please follow, review, and share with a friend.